What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Really excited about today's episode. On today's show, we are talking with the Dream Boats team. If you haven't heard, two Charleston locals are setting out to row across the Atlantic Ocean this December as a part of the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, a 3,000-mile race across the Atlantic, also known as the world's toughest row. What started as a small seed, a future dream, a daunting goal, turned into reality for Ben and Charlie during March of 2020. Backed by a team of trainers, coaches, campaign, and project managers, this duo has set out to train to be as prepared as possible to start their journey in early December. We talk about the whole story behind committing to this row, because apparently rowing 3,000 miles is a decision that just happens overnight. We get into their training, their concerns, what they're most excited about, and the why behind taking on this challenge, and we dive into details like who's doing the laundry on the boat, what Ben and Charlie will be eating, and what they're doing to mentally prepare themselves. Through the Dream Boats campaign, they are raising funds to support the Green Heart Project, a nonprofit in Charleston connecting students to food, health, culture, and the environment. You can find more information at www.dreamboats.us slash the-cause. Huge thanks to Ben, Charlie, and Katie for coming out to share their story. If you're interested in sponsoring or donating to the cause, head to dreamboats.us slash sponsors. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome, Ben. Welcome, Charlie. Welcome, Katie. Back there in the corner. I have heard a story, a rumor, that there are a couple people in Charleston that are going to be rowing across the Atlantic Ocean in a few short months, right, in December. I believe it's 3,000 miles. Yeah. Is that right? Am I hearing right? Yes. Yeah, we are the, we're the two people that are crazy enough to sign up to, to row in December uh, as part of the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. Okay. My first question is, what makes two people want to do this? Like, I want the full story. Mm, yeah, well, you want to go first, Charlie? You go first. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll, I'll talk about it. So, so when I was 13, 12, maybe 11, 
I saw a, a documentary uh, on the BBC back in England about James Cracknell, who was an Olympic rower, and Ben Fogel, who was a TV personality. And they signed up to the then uh, Great Atlantic Rowing Race. Um, and it documented their, like, it was like six episodes of half an hour each, and kind of documented their journey from their ill preparation into the race starting, the troubles on board, and then finally getting to Antigua, which is where the, the race finishes. And I kind of, that planted a seed in my head that's like, wow, that's possible. Like, maybe I want to do that one day. And I spoke about it with my friends as I was getting older. I remember showing them when we were like 14, 15, 16 kind of age and talking about like, oh, you know, what do you want to do? Like, ah, oh, you know, I've always dreamed of doing this. I want to row across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of got put way on the back burner. Um, I then went off and decided I was going to be an actor. Uh, trained for that, went to university, studied theatre. Decided I didn't want to do that. That didn't go too well. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it, it went okay. I just realised that wasn't for me uh, and then I started cooking and one of my really good friends and kind of a mentor to me in 2018 uh, Andy Grant uh, great guy diamond Cornish through and through he got put into a team for the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge really last minute because one of his friends had a friend that dropped out of this boat and I was like okay well Andy you've he used to deliver yachts all over the world so like, well you've done the crossing you've been on a boat before yeah basically oh, you've, you've been across the Atlantic let's row across it so in six months time he was in Lagomera in Spain ready to set off and, and go and him and his crew made it across successfully in 44 days and I was like well if he can do it on six months training like I think it's more of a realistic goal for me mm. now and it was around that time that I moved to Charleston and there was a uh, just a casual review. I think I'd been here for six months at the time. And me and Ben were sitting down uh, in basic kitchen and we were talking. Um, and Ben was like, well, where do you see yourself? Like, what, what are your goals? Where do you see yourself in five years? I was like, well, I'm going to be honest. I want to row across the Atlantic before I'm 30. Is that what you expected him to say? I think maybe we talked about that a little bit. But no, I mean, that's, that's a good five-year plan, in my opinion. It's <laughs> a motivated individual in his... In his you know, six months review. Yeah. And I think we actually stopped the review at that point. It was like, let's actually talk about this because I've always had that thought too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like let's, let's talk. I think it was probably the Sunday after that. We used to close on Sunday nights. The Sunday after that, Ben comes to the restaurant. And it's like, sits down with some forms. And it's like, this is what it would take to join this race. Like, it's really easy. We can start and we can get this plan in motion. And it's like, okay, and then we started talking about doing it as a four, but it kind of got put on the back burner. It was like, we both had this idea, and it's like, it's not happening. Like, it's just, a, you know, it's a dream. And then I think it was March or April of 2020, we had just closed the restaurants, and again, it was we were sitting in basic. I think we were, like, trying to plan on what we were going to do. Like, how are we going to shift what we're doing and where we're going as a, as a restaurant? And then pulled out the forms again <laughs> and was like, it's happening. We're doing it. Um, so we signed yeah. up and kind of went crazy. But that's when you decided, in March of 2020. Yeah, I think we, as, as Charlie said, we'd, we'd um, seed had been planted and um, 
you know, Charlie had had this interest from from uh, from this documentary, and then from his friend in Cornwall doing it. Over the years, we'd sort of exchanged notes on it and interest. Um, and then I had a friend who did it in 2013, <clears throat> um, and so they had this great experience with it. I, a very close friend of mine, and um, they had terrible weather. Worst um, 2013 was the worst weather year. They were very ill prepared. This group. Um, and it was wild their experience, but uh, my friend came back and and told me about it, and I, you know, I, I wanted to do it from from that point after hearing these sort of stories. Um, so so yeah, seed planted, friends doing it, and then Charlie and I, you know, I'm a big believer. Whenever things get tough, um, you know, plant a plant a flagpole somewhere that feels unattainable, so you can kind of refocus. Um, and so um, I've always done that. Um, and this was one of those times with, with the sort of our, our business falling apart with COVID. Um, and we have restaurants and hotels and um, we have uh, a design studio as well with other and we own properties that own that has restaurants in them. Um, and and we talk about five-year plan. I, if I looked at my five-year plan, it just sort of fell apart. Um, and I have two young children. And so I really needed something to, to refocus me on on on, on how, how do we get through this time and how do we sort of plant a flagpole. And that the, the row was that flagpole and it was that time. And it's a two-year build-up. So to, to, to people listening, um, it's one thing to say you're going to do something um, like this and it's another thing to go through this um, this journey and they say about ocean rowing um, the hardest part in ocean rowing is getting to the start line mm. prepared so for for us um, we are uh, how far are we Ten, uh, 11 months away from yeah uh, closer to 10 months so 10 months away mm-hmm. Katie is here taking pictures um, and is part of this podcast. And so, you know, Charlie and I are going to do the rowing. Mm-hmm. Right, we're physically going to be rowing two hours on, two hours off, 24 hours a day for between 40 and 55 days, maybe more. Um, but it's, it really is a, is a two-year journey. It's a team. It's friends. It's family. Um, it's someone help organize everything. It's getting the word out there. And when you tell people you're going to row across an ocean... Um, you know, it sounds fantastic, but you lose them after about 30 seconds. They're like, great, can't really imagine that, can't really relate to that. What does the boat look like? Can't really imagine that. How to what? I'm out. No, it's uh, I thought right. it was a joke. And then people are like, how many, but is the boat going to follow you yeah. all the way? And you're like, no, there is no boat following you all the way. So it's been, it's been really interesting engaging with people. And I'm so thankful to do podcasts like this where we get to sit and have a discussion about it. So that's how we got into it. Um, and I feel like the journey so far has been a really really interesting one which I'm sure we're going to talk lots mm-hmm. about but um, yes yeah, two seeds were planted at different points in our lives but I think during the pandemic it came together saying like we've got this window the restaurants are closed you're not doing much I'm not doing much which is not entirely true um, <laughs> like, let's, <laughs> let's start training and so we started training and even our training has been an interesting journey mm-hmm. as well I honestly think when we, st- we started training as we were trying to like redevelop the business and, and really come up with a plan. And, and this all ties in with probably what we're going to talk about later. But f- for me, I had never trained like that 
since I was I played rugby at high level when I was like 17 and I never and even then I was still like 17 in England getting on the beers like never having this like dedicated training schedule and I found myself it's benefited everything else in my life so much more than I would ever have imagined before it was like cool I work really hard and like I know that I'm a hard worker but then I like to have like I'll like finish work have a couple of beers and then you can say I like to have fun. Yeah, I like to have fun. Yeah, it's okay. But then am I might also have like your hours are just tough. Yeah. And I've I've grown up in not so much food and but hospitality in general. I used to run uh, I was an operations manager for a big events bar company. So I'd be working like nineteen hour days at a music festival. Mm-hmm partying for the next four hours having a a couple of hours sleep and then doing it again the next day very unsustainable but that was always part of my life so like I would work like 16 hour days in the kitchen and then moving to Charleston I was like it doesn't have to be like that and even more so during the pandemic it's like let's let's maintain this I've started a training plan I've got a big goal my mental health improved my focus at work improved and just my creativity in general was like so much more focused that it really like the plan started and it's like this big snowball effect mm. it's, it's now we're at this point where honestly I feel pretty invincible um, over the last That's like six months it's a good way months. to feel as yeah. you go um, right across the Atlantic. I don't no it's not actually it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a good way to feel I think we've got to, you've got to feel very humble um, you've got to have you've really got to respect the enormity of this challenge mm. and like I think that's um I think we, we all the people we talk to, one who have done it or two who are advising us, and um, we've got some great people doing that. Um, you know, Mother Nature's in control, and and you've got to have, you've got to be equipped with with the skills to to overcome some of these situations. And and I think I don't think we have a sort of a sense of what that looks like until we're out, you know, thirty miles off off the, the offshore here in Charleston, and we get a nice summer school and. Um, and then it all feels pretty real. That's when we'll realize, like, what do we don't have? And as much as physically rowing on an erg or lifting weights and looking at yourself in the mirror in the gym uh, at 6 a.m. <laughs> makes you feel, it. like, invincible and then get in the sauna and have a cheeky chat. Like, at the end of the day, it's going to be different when you're uh, sitting on the bucket or you're over the side um, and you've, you've had seasickness for three or four days, can't keep food down, and you haven't slept for more than an hour and 45 minutes. Those are the things we've got to really be prepared for, I think. Those are hard things to prepare for. I want to retract my statement of invincible. I know. You cannot feel invincible. You are not. I feel that I've got a lot of momentum behind yeah. me. Yeah. That's what well, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated. Yeah, motivated. Yes. Yeah. I've seen not a, quite unstoppable. I, yeah, I, I mean, the transformation as Charlie's partner and, and friend, I've seen, you know, what this podcast represents is, is a community here in Charleston that's all about health and wellness and, and movement and you do not associate that with a southern city especially growing up mm-hmm. outside of the US I think you think a totally different idea I think that maybe happens in LA I think everyone is doing all of those things and this is when you grew up think of the movies um, Charleston maybe not but actually I found all my great friends have come through this kind of health wellness um, ethos has been a big part of of the community that we've met here and I've watched Charlie 
totally transform, as you said, your every sort of aspect of your life through through food and and um, and exercise and mm-hmm. and that and that community that exists here. So, which is really cool to live here, and I don't think a lot of people think of that. Yeah. No, I um, think again, like we're in the south. We have a lot of food. We have a lot of alcohol. Mm. We're number one destination city. But then we do. We have so many gyms, and we have so many people pushing for health and wellness and fitness. That like Charleston is. When I think of Charleston, like, and my friends come to town, I'm like, oh, we have to go to this place to work out. We have to go right. to this. We have to go to this yoga class. We have to do that. Yeah. We have to go to the daily. You know, like, I don't really think of it. I mean, it depends. You might go get you know drunk on King Street, but yeah. that's definitely not it anymore. Yeah, it's it's great. It's really cool. It's so funny when my friend came to visit me when I had first moved over here. She had. I, I was living at that point like Upper King, and she had walked down King Street to come to Basic Kitchen to, to for lunch and to meet me after work. And the first thing she said to me when I sat down with her was like, "This is the sexiest city I've ever been." Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, like fair play." And then like we came up with some words because everyone's it's, it's hot, it's humid, everyone's like a little bit sweaty. Almost everyone is ready to go and work out. Like when you walk down King Street, it's just like you know the crowd outside Lululemon and all these people. And she was she was by the way she lives in London. I'm I'm painting a really weird picture. (laughs) Like for someone that grew up in in London, there is not that scene in London. Like unless you really really search for it, the fitness scene in London is you go to your gym and that is that is it. Whereas here, like there's like. When Ethos started doing the outside classes, there are a few other gyms that do those like outside kind of things. There are gyms on King Street, like next door to to Leon's. There's that great mm-hmm. small gym, and there's coastal climbing, and it's so much intertwined in the city that it, it just makes it easier, it makes yeah, it more appealing. You know, it's very much a part of the culture and the mm-hmm. community, and also. I feel like in London, people don't wear athleisure as much. Yeah. But that's, like, all we wear they here. They love some Yeah, like, <laughs> don't catch me in an actual nice outfit, like, on yeah. a Tuesday at noon, walking on King Street. Like, I'm in leggings and tennis shoes. Yeah, exactly. So we always are ready. Like, yeah. Ready <laughs> yeah. So you all met because of Basic Kitchen. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I met Ben. Uh, I lived and worked in Cornwall in the UK, the further southwest. And I was a sous chef at uh, a very historic pub, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And then one day, Ben's brother turns up February second and is like, "Hi, my name's Alex. I'm I've, like I'm the new owner. Like, just bought the pub. We're going to completely renovate it. My brother and his wife are flying over from from America. They're restaurateurs. They they know this kind of thing. It's going to be really fun. So we start demolishing the pub, and Ben and Kate turn up and. It's just like this crazy project that a lot of people in the area did not expect to have such a big effect on the, on the pub. It's very much a landmark pub. It's like quite famous. And we ripped it apart. Oh, and it was honestly one of the best feelings ever <laughs> to have worked in that place for two years and then to like completely gut it and like breathe a whole fresh new life and with, into it. And especially like the design work that Ben and Kate do is like extraordinary. And it's like created this whole beautiful identity for this very landmark pub without taking away what it is. And so we met there. Um, and then obviously Ben and Kate come back to America. And about, about 11 months later, um, I try and hand my notice in to Alex. Because I'm like, I need to move from Cornwall. It's a small town. 
I want to get out of here, I want to go back to London, somewhere big, somewhere where there's more going on and I think I've got a bit more of a career trajectory. And then five days later I get, I don't even think it was five days later, I think it might be like a couple of days later I get a phone call from Ben and he's like, I need help, like, do you want to, will you come to Charleston? Charles, I, I thought was going to look in. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and you, <clears throat> you're a, sort of where where Charlie's talking about. It's, it's Cornwall in England. It, it's it's similar to Maine, and so really beautiful in the summer. Um, a big fishing community, but winter is is a lot tougher. All the tourists go. Um, weather's pretty bad. It becomes grey everywhere. And and yeah, it's very grey and. Um, you know, the opportunity is, is getting better and better in Cornwall, but for a long time it was like summer and then there were these two very different times. So the idea of, because it happened to me when I, I got a call to come to America, I was living in Cornwall, the idea of getting a call like, hey, you want to come out to America and like help work on this new restaurant concept, I mean, that's pretty exciting when you're sitting in Falmouth in January. Huge. Um, you know, so so Charlie, Charlie came out and... Uh, you know, I don't know if, if, if anyone listening is familiar with Basic Kitchen, but we've been here for five years. Um, we're on uh, Wentworth Street, just off King. And we started it with this idea of having this all-day cafe, uh, predominantly vegetarian, very little drinks. And, and that was sort of this idea of some restaurants um, that we've been to in New York and that we, that we loved. Um, and... The city of Charleston said, no. no, thanks. Um, Not quite ready for it. So we had to have a bit of, you know, and this is really interesting with business and with, with what you have to do sometimes in life is you've got this best day plans. You have to think, this is not working. I'm, I'm not going to just keep marching down this road. So we, we had a sort of, we added some things to the menu. We added a burger from friends of ours. Um, a farmer in Tennessee was doing all the beef. So that was felt really good about that. And then we added... Um, Various other things. Um, we had a steak bowl um, from uh, what's the, the guys in Brass Town, Brass Town, North Carolina. Again, really important these relationships and buying directly from people. And so, and we sort of added. We stopped doing breakfast because there wasn't really that market in in downtown at that point. And then we just worked at it. And um, Charlie was totally instrumental in in that. And slowly, as Charleston has, has sort of evolved. The menu has evolved. The community has evolved. We do lots of community stuff with with Green Heart, uh, with Fresh Future Farm, um, and so that's been really interesting. And you've been such a pivotal part of that, Charlie. And, and your own food journey has influenced the menu. So we just finished plant based January, mm-hmm. which, if you think about that, five years ago we couldn't have done that in a million years. We used to do plant based challenge, which was just like you could sign up, and then this year we're like, sort it. Let's just let's just do the whole menu. And everyone was thinking, oh, we're going to see this big drop off. Are people going to walk in and be like, I don't want this. But it's been really successful. Some of the dishes you've created, um, you know, turning the chicken schnitzel into a cauliflower schnitzel. Or, oh, my God, the cauliflower is so good. Um, <laughs> it, it's you awesome. have to get the cauliflower. And then, and then, I mean, the bolognese, the lentil mm. bolognese. So, so good, right, Katie's? So good. Yeah. For me, it's been the best food I've had at Base Kitchen uh, since we've been open and it's all been plant-based so um really really cool high five charlie nice charlie <laughs> so y'all have worked together for a while yeah yeah at what point were you like i mean like finding your partner for this journey is pretty significant 
you know, like at what point were you like, uh, okay, this is the person I want to do this with? Because this was a huge goal for you, Charlie, and for you, Ben, yeah. separately. And then what made you decide to want to do this together? Have you seen, have you seen Cool Runnings? Right, there's a moment when the Jamaican <laughs> bobs and they get the whole island together and they start showing the video about crap bobsled crashes. No, I don't know what this is. What cool running's the movie? Cool runnings. Well, no. it's one of those moments where oh, it's, when you turn the lights back on, whoever's left in the room, we're it rowing the Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was pure Okay. So sorry if that reference wasn't no, that good, but I mean, it kind of works like this. Not a lot of people who want to do, who who want to do this. I mean, Ben was the first person that I talked to about this. That was like, oh, I actually want to do that too. Yeah. yeah. And I think there it was like, yeah, take advantage of that. Shall, like, yeah, do you want to? And we even tried, we, I, like, I had talked to other people in Charleston since I had moved here. When we had said we were going to do it, originally we were looking for two other people. And it's like, there's no one else. Like, I think because we had a good relationship, like th- through work, and a yeah. professional relationship, it then became, to me, troubling to add someone else into that mix. Mm. And I think that's like, the, the biggest thing is you've got to make sure that you, know, you respect each other enough that you will do the same 3,000 miles across the across the ocean and I think that was like really important and part of the building blocks of our of our team really mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah. I, th- I think if you asked us the question now is that are there two other people who, who we could potentially put put a four man team together I think we'd be much closer I think when mm-hmm. we start started this you know we, we knew nothing about the ocean rowing about what had to go into to this journey to like the sort of commitments it time commitments on both your work and and family and so i i feel like the two of us it's been a it's been a very good fit today of um just kind of working through that but at the time we didn't i don't think there was anyone else we couldn't find another person we want to say hey we're thinking about doing this do you want in because i think as you get down that road the worst thing that can happen is people be like whoa this is not what I signed up for because mm-hmm. um, suddenly you've got a four man boat not a two man boat so you've got to fill it and that team dynamic is is, is so critical mm. but um, there are definitely people who have been involved in the, the uh, sort of training who I think would ha- would have a place on the boat now yeah yeah, yeah I want to talk about the team because um, I know it's not just you it's not just the people that are sitting in this room you all have a pretty significant team behind you now Mm-hmm. Um, trainers and people that are helping you manage this and people that are helping you market it. Um, can you tell me about your team? Yeah. Team is Katie and Astro sitting here. <laughs> Katie, Hello. what's Welcome. Katie? What's your role? Uh, I'm the project campaign manager, director. We don't we don't really use titles here. Just okay. Okay. kind of along for the ride. No. No, campaign manager. But, but Katie, I mean, you talk about the sort of logistics. There's been... It's probably more than you think when when we sat down. Yeah, I mean, so my background is in um, like high level sailing events, and that's kind of a super niche market. Um, so I've had a variety of roles in that world, um, and then yeah, moving to Charleston a year ago, I, I if you said you'd be working on a rowing campaign. We kind of joke, and I've never said this to Ben and Charlie, but we joke that as a sailor, you're trying to get away from rowing. You're not oh. trying to row, you're trying to sail. 
Mm. Right. But um, oh when I tell people what that, happened, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when I tell people that I've, I've gotten involved with this particular race, um, it is so much more uh, than yeah, just you know, taking a skull out and, and going for a quick row. Um, the, oh, like Ben was mentioning earlier, um, being out in the water and really um, until you're out in those you know swells that are it's not just coastal you know some coastal current you will never really appreciate and understand the immensity and the enormity of the ocean the open ocean uh, just working with sailing um, sailors who have sailed around the world it's it's something that you know you should be a little scared and that's a good thing uh, you want that fear so um, yeah I, I'm wearing many hats and I'm I'm really enjoying every minute of it um, right. even though it's rowing even though it's rowing yeah, right. <laughs> so Kay's on there uh, on the team and we've got um, we've got Joey Welling um, Jackson Metcalf um, on the training side which is which has been awesome and they've put together a really great training program we are just bringing on um, someone specific to ocean rowing who's going who's based in the UK who's rowed the Atlantic, the Pacific, he's done around uh, the UK um, and Duncan Roy to the two persons. So Duncan's going to join the, join us and he's going to come out here for six days, get our boat in the water, trim the boat, talk about sort of te- uh, technique and then, help us sort of plan out our journey to Lagomera in terms of training and some offshore stuff and look at the conditions out here. And then when we, and then he'll help us when we get the boat to the Canary Islands, set it up for the race. And then there'll be a point of contact during the race as, as well as Katie. So he's going to, he's, we just spoke to him yesterday. And if you guys have listened to, um, if you listen to the Rich Roll podcast, uh, they had a, an ocean rower called Jason Cordwell on, um, whose team's called Latitude 35 and um and duncan was on his team for the pacific uh, race last year which they won so we feel like we're in really good hands with him uh, oh there's winners yeah oh yeah it's a race, how it's a race. <laughs> oh how many teams are there we all have 30 30 35 35 we'll set off yeah. this year and those are including four fours fours okay. twos threes i think there's a five in our year as well there was a five this year that did it and then solos i was well. gonna say there's no way there's solos. there are solos yeah, yeah. and solos take about 70, 70 days. days and that's like that's quick minimum we're making yeah. it sound like there's a race just to, i mean less than you know less than 750 people have ever completed this so mm-hmm. it's a i mean you know it's a it's a small group it's an honor um but it's um but it's a but it is there's there's a competitive edge to it and the barrier to entries the reason it's so good to be doing it with this organization is the barrier to entries is pretty high in terms of boat specs training um safety equipment um and so on yeah it's not like okay you just need to be able to sit on the rower for a few days it's so much knowledge and so much education mm-hmm. and mentally too a lot of training there mm-hmm. yeah. can we dive into what your training looks like yeah. recently so our current schedule we have four days independent um, where we've just been set meters to get to on a rower and like we add in some other stuff like I cycle a lot mm-hmm. um, and I had like a little back injury so I've been cycling a lot more um, than Ben has been. Ben's been on the row. I've been. I've been riding, and then two days a week we have strength and conditioning with Jackson and Joe. Super early in the morning, five a.m. starts, mm. which is tough 
closing a restaurant and going into the gym at 5am is pretty uh, pretty strenuous on the body people listening to this podcast they're working out at 3.30am this is this is a different no. group yeah, this different, is a different he group. doesn't open until 5 yeah. <laughs> it's like you're going to bed everyone's like bam yeah. it's new for us yes yeah, very new us. very new for me considering I think my earliest uh, oh, I used to cycle a lot when I was younger so that's actually a lie um, and then we have a great on water rowing coach Rando Blythe who we haven't seen in a month or two, but we would go twice a week on the water with him. And then Noel, uh, Noel Poff, who is Charleston Rolfing, Gravity Fitness. Oh, yeah. I yeah. know that name. Yeah. We, yeah. Do, we have one session a week with him for mobility, mm-hmm. um, and he has honestly worked wonders. I had a really bad rugby injury, which is why I stopped playing. And the other day, he had me touching my toes for the first time in like 10 years. Oh, wow. So it's like yeah. huge. Like, he's amazing. He's a wizard. Yeah, he's very uh, really helpful. And then we also are partnered. Our main, our title sponsor is Modern Minds and Synchronicity, um, who are a recovery, physical and mental recovery center in Mount Pleasant, um, who we honestly, we were introduced to because a friend of Ben's thought it would be a good service for us to use. And we went and met with Brian Durban and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to sponsor you. We think you align with what we're doing perfectly and we couldn't agree more. It's been amazing to, to get to use the facilities there and to have like some mentoring in recovery, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, I used to play competitive sports and it was always like, oh yeah, warm down, you have an ice bath and then you go out and get lashed and that's your recovery. Oh, God. Whereas, <laughs> whereas, it's yeah, it's way different. Yeah. I think I mean, Charlie, just, just to hear you say some of that stuff, mate, we've got, um, you know, if you, it's about 80 to a hundred thousand meters a week on that's the, awesome. on the rower. And there's two strength, strength and conditioning sessions. Um, and then, and then what, what we're trying to work out at the moment is, is we sort of, slow our kind of day jobs down a little bit um leading into the spring then we start the recovery piece which is which is ironic it's impossible to fit all of this stuff in just because if you're rowing that just takes you know that's two hours a day on the row basically plus the hour and a half strength sessions and then, and then, and then to get to to synchronicity, and then really focus on recovery. So we've we've been sort of looking at our schedule, trying to say what's going to fit best into this, and then trying to get on the water as well. So I think we've got something that's really good for the moment, and we're just trying to sort of edit it um, to sort of maximize um, recovery, and and also on that that strength muscle mass, which is something that's totally foreign to me, like gaining muscle mass, mm-hmm. um, and. When you talk to to Jackson and you talk to Joey and ultimately you talk to the, the the race organizers, they use the word fit for purpose all the time. So it's just like if you think about the movement that you're going to be doing um, for I think it's five million meters. Is it roughly about that? five million meters? Yeah, five million meters, forty five days. You know, over just over and over again. Over. So so we're working on, um, and I'd probably get this all wrong, but I think they called. The lower chain. So no, no, what's the, what's de- we're doing deadlifts. Yes. We're doing this one. <laughs> Overhead pressing. Overhead pressing. Yeah. Pull ups. Pull ups. Pull ups. And lots of uh, squats. Squats. And um, oh, 
Like, how are your forearms feeling? I wish they were bigger. I mean, what <laughs> is going on? They're getting there, but... <laughs> I, getting there. I know you have a sick forearm pump after these workouts. What is going on? Um, yeah, so that... And, what, and then... There's a couple of... Oh, and we do oh, these... Oh, the uh, bat wing... Bat wing rows. The bat wing rows. Which is yeah. a, an exercise that Jackson was like oh. revolutionary. He had watched a documentary made in 1999 about the Team GB rowing uh, for gold. It's called, I think it's called Going, going for, for Gold. gold yeah. uh, about the, the Coxless Four going for Olympic gold in Sydney. And he was like, they're all doing this. Like, what is that? So he set up a, a rudimentary... Uh, bench over <laughs> over two boxes and was like, let's try this out. Yeah, let's go. And and it's been super effective. Yeah. If you track just performance on the ergs from from mm. those simple uh, seven or eight exercises, and then some mobility and power output over you know the longer rows of you know anything plus two hours on the erg, so it's thirty five thousand plus. You're getting just consistent power um and 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 getting a lot more of it the other piece is, is again for us as we're learning if you think about this boat 25 feet with all your food everything you need for 50 days at sea it's a really heavy boat um when you think about it and trying to row it so you're never rowing at more than 22 strokes a minute mm. which if you sit on the erg and row at that speed it's pretty slow so we're like going 18 to 22 so we're just learning to like uh, to change that and adjust that because we've been rowing at this like cadence of 20, 28 20, 20, yeah, yeah right which feels really good and it's like you're jogging uh-huh. but slow that right down and do these power pulls mm-hmm. and then yeah. that, so it becomes a kind of mind uh, one after the other right and it's yeah. just like whereas the other one like you feel like oh I'm in this rhythm mm-hmm. so we'll re- that's the next challenge for us we're sort of working on that as we build up these, these meters mm-hmm. so how, what's the longest you've been on the rower to date we did for my 30th birthday we walked to the gym at 5am and rowed 30,000 meters which was about I think I did it in two hours I actually shocked myself I did it in two hours and three minutes he's showing um, up Ben was right behind me. <laughs> no, no, uh, he was Charlie's. Charlie's power output on a rower is is incredible. Rugby, it's rugby. Just, yeah. I used to carry a lot of heavy things for work yeah. as well. I think that's the big one. No, it's it's really amazing your, your consistent power output. Um, mm. So it's two hours on, and the other person's sleeping or just chilling, watching, hanging out, like Wash, the washing the dishes, oh, using the yeah. bathroom, cleaning the boat, yeah. doing okay. laundry. Getting laundry. the mats ready because you only take you can only take maybe so you five just, like, or dip six. It in the water? Like, we have a water maker. Yeah. We have a water maker, so you've got to pump the water, check the check the course, check all your charts, check the weather. It's, so when do you sleep? You you, uh, you do you do that <laughs> after all that's done. No, yeah. yeah. So you have so, okay. No, no, no. You, so there'll, there'll be sh- sleeping shifts, and then there'll be kind of uh, yeah. on duty sh- shifts. So you'll so, have like, so. a schedule. Yeah, and, and it's going to be. And I think, again, I, I'm sitting here talking like someone who's rode an ocean or been on an ocean rowing boat, and I've done neither. I've never even left Charleston Harbour in a, in a rowing <laughs> boat. So we got some work to do. But I think, like any boat, and Katie's detailed, you know, discipline around um, around a schedule and a watch. And, and, you know, I think Charlie and I, what we're going to be working on, as well as the sort of strength stuff, is, is a partnership who's cooking the meals, who's doing the washing, 
who's responsible for, for, for navigation and, and it's going to be you know one person's job to be in charge of plotting one just be in charge of cooking um, probably washing no one washing will might rotate weekly um, but yeah so I think that's stuff we're going to spend a lot of time learning here in Charleston is like what do those routines look like what do those drills look like and I, 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 if I, I don't know what that sleep cycle is I don't know how long it's going to take to tidy up the like the boat but I think with the sort of bringing on um, bringing on Duncan he's going to really sort of guide us through hey guys I've rode Pacific the Atlantic and I've done around Britain last summer this is what it should look like on your 24 hour period that's so helpful and so we're going to stick with that I mean I would have I didn't even think about that or asking about that until we started talking about it I'm sure when you were like oh yeah I want to row this you didn't think about who's going to do the laundry right who's going to make the water yeah yeah Charlie (laughs) the answer is Charlie when the pump breaks just Charlie (laughs) what has the (laughs) mental side of training looked like so that's something we're really diving into now and we're talking closely with with Brian um, and trying to talk to some of the people at Modern Minds as well who are a title sponsor because that's something that you can't really like how do you train for like isolation at sea especially with like and it's something I keep thinking more and more about it's two hours on two hours off so when you're rowing the other person is you know they're asleep especially on the night shifts so you're sitting alone in the ocean and you're just rowing and it's pitch black you've got your little navigation light just in case there's another boat nearby but really you're like cutting off some of your senses and and you're just rowing like how do you get ready for that it's it's something we're talking about because I'm sure there's not a lot of like psychiatrists or, or, or therapists have got any, anything to, yeah. to say about that and we're looking at working with some people here in Charleston um, because it's you know it's interesting data to collect as, as well as like we need help and I think it make a great case study uh, to try and get some of this information to the right people and so we've talked about some practices we're going to going to start doing redlining um with a great friend of ours who was an Olympic speed skater, and so he's you know he's been the height of, of of physical training, and there comes a point in every sport where it is mental, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be super beneficial. Um, when you say redlining, yeah, what do you mean redlining? I think I think it's it's, it's how you function when you are completely maxed out on on sleep deprived being totally exhausted um, and then start engaging in some challenging situations and some tasks and see how you perform and so um, I, you know I think ultimately I'm people listening and um, I, I've just gone through 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 watch two kids two young children and I think if you look at someone a, a young mother after to having a kid and Normally, that initial two months, two or three months, is you're sleeping no more than two hours because you're breastfeeding. Watch how someone, watch what happens to that person as they go through that. Women are inherently stronger than men at pretty much everything, and and I mean that, and that's really boils down to like what they go through on that. That, in my opinion, like it's that mental fortitude that exists. 
when you haven't slept for weeks and you have to look after a little thing that only cries back at you and and and, and it's really really challenging i think that is a, a like if you look at those moments that's quite similar to what we will be going through i talk about it with, with my wife kate actually because that's the closest thing i've ever seen mm-hmm. in my life to someone is sleep deprived for that period of time but if you especially if you have a, a kid that's struggling with sleeping or um or has some 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 initial illness where you know it's four in the morning and you haven't slept really for more than 45 minutes for 48 hours and this little thing that you love so much is just screaming Mm -hmm. how do you handle that moment you have to have this like deep inner strength and like communication with your partner Mm -hmm. and you have to go through all of that so i don't know why i'm like for me that's the closest thing i can relate to and on uh that i've been through where sleep you're sleep deprived and I know that's not redlining, but that's something people can, I'm sure, listening can understand if they've been through that. Yeah, I mean, you what that looks like. Any resources left, but you have to keep going. Yeah, you have no choice. Mm-hmm. You're in it. So, I think it's really interesting. But the redlining piece is—that's what we've wanted to see. We did a challenge that uh, twenty-nine two oh nine two nine two nine two nine oh two nine. It's called Everesting. It's a. Oh yeah. Okay. So you go up and down. A, a, we were in Utah. Uh, up and down a mountain until you get to 29. Did you do this with Joey? Joey did the one for mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did, Charlie and I did that together. Um, so you have 36 hours to complete it. Um, how many times did we go up and down? It's 14. 13. 13. Times. Oh. So, so it was the equivalent, the distance was the same. It was like a 26.9 miles, so just over a marathon. The elevation gain was 30, almost, 30. I think it actually worked out at 30,000 feet. Um, and we did it in 28 hours non-stop. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the other teams that were doing it kind of taxed when they're like, cool, we've, we've walked 18 hours, mm-hmm. we're going to sleep for four and then we're going to walk for another 12 and it's going to be perfect. It works, works out bang on the money. Um, and honestly, when we were doing it, I felt like seeing everyone else do that, I was like, Ben, should we just, should we just have a nap? And then we'll, <laughs> we'll finish it off. <laughs> and that's where, like it was like the first uh, the first test of, yeah. of like going through it and there was a moment in the gondola 4am and it was just like I knew that Ben was tired and we both had this discussion Ben is a machine when it comes to getting towards the end of a challenge I can do the beginning bit and I'll like I'll like power through and, and be motivated up until that end which is why it's a great partnership. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, um, and it really it did it did test test us in, in terms of sleep deprivation, and it was just like a, you know that was literally like a, a teaspoon yeah. of the mm-hmm. of the mug that we're we're trying to drink with the yeah with the Atlantic. It was a great way to simulate though, and to start realizing the discussions and the decisions that y'all were going to have to start mm. having. Mm. Yeah. So as we uh, as we get to boat rides here, March fifth. And um, we will start laying out a, a pretty comprehensive plan, and we'll go from so we'll do a we'll do a, a four hour row, a six hour row, uh, we'll do twelve, twenty four, forty eight, and we'll build up to seventy two hours um, from from leaving Charleston, seventy two hours at sea, coming back, and that'll be pretty close to, and we'll do the two hours on, two hours off, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be really really hard because I think that first bit's so tough anyway because you're not in any sort of rhythm and you're adjusting to your sleep. 
Uh, this is what we'll start doing is training. Oh, okay. I think this will be ultimately, this is where we'll finish on our training. We'll okay. do one or two of those bigger things. Um, and that will really simulate. And then we'll, we'll get back to, to, to the marina. And then we'll spend a couple of days saying, like, what happened out there? Mm. Um, and let's that's, that's work through, you know, I felt you were super annoying um, between the hours of, <laughs> you know, 12 <laughs> and 8. And, like, well, you fart a lot in the cabin. Oh and, God. like, you know... Or like, I really can't watch you go to the toilet. Can we just change the way we do the bucket? Like, that's going to happen because we're living on this tiny little boat for like six weeks. Right, yeah. And we've got to have those conversations now because mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot easier having it now than having it in the middle of the night. What do you mean you don't like looking at me sitting on the bucket? <laughs> what? You're telling me now? <laughs> so I always thought you loved Irish, Irish pub music. Yeah. Apparently, apparently in the Atlantic it's not a thing about the thing you can do. We're going to have you, yeah, wow. for sure. Just on a, we've got solar panels, and so we'll have a little speaker. Wow, yeah. And, and Maybe two little speakers. Are you going to document it? Yes. We're going to try to, yeah. Yeah. And like there have been thoughts and like your conversations. I don't know how interesting they'll be. No, it'd be so, I mean, it'd be long. But it'd be interesting <laughs> to see, like, where does your mind go? Yeah. And no. then what are you worried about? And we'll yeah. do some video diaries. Yeah. So food is a big thing that mm-hmm. we're talking a lot about. Yeah. Okay. And it's a big, I mean, both restaurant backgrounds, so it's obviously a big part of both our lives. Um, Big difference between us, I am plant-based and I'm still still trying to reel Ben in and and get him to do it with me, but I think ultimately, in the middle of the Atlantic, it's probably not the time to change your diet completely um, because you will just be craving Mm -hmm. certain things. yeah, I think where Charlie and I differ on this, and I'm learning so much from him, is my first objective is like get is be fueled and get this calorie. Like, because I am pretty much Miriam Charlie eating wise most, most of the, the time, most part, yeah. most part here as we're training, and you've inspired me to to to, to really dial that in. Um, where I'm finding it really challenging is the like you just gave it those bars. It's it's finding the right fuel that's like calorie dense nutrient dense um and tastes still tastes good and finding that balance so i think there's a room for this is where we we are interested as a team like i think there's a room for some of the stuff we've been tasting which is delicious but then i also think there's room for like a backpacker's breakfast pouch with the eggs and thing and i'm probably going to have which I'm going to sell to Charlie, let this be on record. Okay. I'm going to bring some um, built-on or jerky, mm-hmm. right, with me, as I think that's what everyone said has been really efficient. And Charlie's going to look at me eating it, and this is yeah. being recorded, people. And the price right now is free. <laughs> but as soon as we set off, every day, all right, it triples. Triples. <laughs> <laughs> on the Atlantic. I just say because I'm like it's a captive market. I'm like the I'm like the ride sharing. What does it call when the Uber goes? Uh, oh, the, the search. search. There's a surge pricing on on, on beef jerky on my boat. Just gonna wait Charlie's like, oh man, I, yeah. And then I'm asleep. I can see him rummaging through my thing. <laughs> All sorts of alarms will be going off. <laughs> <laughs> Come here! I would never do that to you. You're hugging right now. You can see him. It's happening. So you're trying to stick to plant based on this route. I am, yeah. And um, you're like, I just want to be fueled and feel good. I want to be totally inspired by Charlie, and I want to have that as like the foundation of what we're doing. But I, 
just because I haven't tasted anything, I'm not there yet to compromise. My goal is to get us across, fueled up and safely and as efficiently and as hopefully as fast as possible. Um, and I want to try to limit the barriers to that um, and some of the headwinds, which we'll have lots of. So if if I'm majority there, but I'm in the afternoons and mornings having a couple of things that aren't, I'm okay with that. And what's your motivation behind it? So when before we started training, I I have to tell you the whole story. The whole story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I when I landed in Charleston, I clocked in at a nice 325 pounds uh not living the most healthy lifestyle and dove into a basic kitchen and really wanted to you know engage with the farmers that we had celebrate the local produce a lot of which is plants you know there's there's great farms and through that I had a very like veggie forward aspect on all the food I was cooking how to make it exciting and get people to try vegetables because I mean you go up to most like say like a 10 to 14 year old kid and you're like oh try this cauliflower and they'll be like cauliflower that tastes like farts like they will not they'll they'll not be about it but if you douse it in buffalo sauce and Mm. fry it like chicken they're like oh this is something really good so it's like seeing that and, and trying to like push through that I started eating more plant-based and then started working out more um, just through like going to Exemplar and we hadn't even signed up for the race at that point but I was like I think I'm think I'm gonna go to a plant-based diet and a few of the people I met here were plant-based and I saw my performance and it, it goes hand in hand with getting fitter I was cycling everywhere like I would go to like farm visits 30 miles out in John's Island in the middle of nowhere and I would cycle there because it's like I don't want to drive I've got a car I've got the company car Peggy Um, and I found my performance eating plant based compared to my performance where I wasn't was like drastically different I could just go longer and then I started thinking about obviously this is an endurance race so what's going to help my endurance being able to go longer so to me, doing this row plant-based... I also, of course, watched uh, Game Changers, the documentary, and was really inspired by it. I was like, okay, well, these are professional athletes, and they changed their diets, and now they're, like, winning championships because of it. Like, being able to continue doing their exercise for longer, harder, better, faster. And it's like, okay, maybe there's a, a lot in it. And so I started eating plant-based, started training more, and of just found my gains to be not just like rookie gains where you start and it's like oh wow I'm doing it better and better because you're new to it and you're like pushing yourself further it's actually like oh I'm I'm strong now like and I'm improving I think at a faster rate than than if I uh, wasn't eating plant based mm. I have agreed with Jackson and Joey to do a week not plant based okay and I think I know the outcome of what's going to happen. Which is? Which is I'll probably still perform well because I've got a good base level, but I don't think I'd be able to like row as long or so have the same improvements. They both want me to. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, effectively, I'm a case study for them. Like, they're, they're, oh, yeah. they're, there's not often that you get to train people this intensely. Mm-hmm. 
and so to see the differences and even like Joey me and Joey have had conversations where he's actually changed his eating habits from seeing us train and, and like how we're eating but he's also influenced us in like in other ways and, and like has coached us on like the importance of eating food to fuel and mm-hmm. getting us in the right mindset so it's like a I mean I've been I, I've had periods in my life where I've been vegan macrobiotic um and 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 experienced enormous benefits health wise from 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 that and i think you know i think the thing with diet is that you've got to find what what works for you and what works within within the realms of you know your life and 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 make sure that whatever you're doing you can really stick to something that's 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 really overall good for you and um, so like i think I think Charlie, watching Charlie is super inspiring and, and, and some of his recipes and some of the stuff he's done at Base Kitchen is, is absolutely amazing. And I think, you know, if you incorporate 80, 90% of that sort of stuff into your diet, fantastic. If you can go 400 and, you, and that works for you, fantastic. You know, I, I think we both are in agreement. And again, this is just for us that we're not on a, a keto diet or we're not, um, um, you know, we're not eating predominantly animal proteins as um we're getting a lot of those from from legumes and and um rices and beans and um so that that's the sort of choice we make as a team um but i really think at the bottom line is is fine what i'm just saying like we're not sitting here as the dream boats being like you got to be doing this i think it's more mm-hmm. like hey this is really working for me right now mm-hmm. um and i think that's great yeah, do you what know, you have to do to get you across the ocean. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And like I think I think I think again, like anything in life and you know, have some flexibility and and don't be too rigid about it. I think we're gonna learn a lot about that in the row. All the best mm. best laid plans don't survive first contact is is the old saying in the British Army. Um so so I think that's 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 something really important. I think we've got to do a lot of work on that as a team as well. It's like how do we how do we pivot? You know, Charlie might be terribly seasick and like the only thing that we can get in him for, for the first bit, I might be like that and, and we're going to work through this. I think the main thing is what is our objective, right, in the, in the race and, and, and Charlie is going to inspire so many people, you know, setting out with this, with this, with this goal and certainly it's, in, it's influencing your training to a point which is awesome. And you'll make a lot of money from your beef jerky sales too. And I'm also thinking about the sort of my uh, how I'm going to pay for the boat. Yeah, from a business from side. Charlie yeah. on my beef jerky sales, and they'll be coming in dumb and dumber IOUs. You know, Day yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with it, but you might want to hold on to that, Buns. That's a Ferrari. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit before, but I want to like Katie's. Katie's getting my references, and I like you, Katie. I, yeah, at least. I'm <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. Uh, maybe. I know. Ugh. This the notes. I, I get rid of okay, okay. Have you not heard oh it? Have you not gosh. watched it? I have feel. I feel like there I'm you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, oh there's. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Guys, keep going. Keep okay, going. sorry, sorry, sorry. Dumb and Dumber. Anyways, I, I know my parents were really bad about getting me to watch like famous and popular movies. Like I haven't even seen Grease. There, I said it. Not bad. Is... Dirty Dancing. No. Oh, and now my parents would be like distraught no, if I said that. We but all I'm, like, are. up to a certain age, they were like, "No, we don't want you to watch that. Like, go watch The Lion King." And then after that, I didn't really care anymore. And The Lion King is amazing. Yeah, so, don't get me wrong, great movie. Yeah. So back to the, the okay, dream sorry, thing, sorry. You know? So we talked a little bit about it before, but now that you're in it, you're signed up. Like, 
what is truly the why? What is truly the reason? What is the thing that keeps you going? It's interesting because it's definitely changed for me. Um, originally, the why was because I wanted to push myself as as hard as I could to see what is possible. Um, I'd always had like aspirations to to you know do the big things, do the hard things, and this was a moment where I was like, I'm I'm going to do the hard thing. But now, like seeing the community that we've like built around us, like just the team alone is like I'm I, I want to do it for like for everyone in Charleston basically um, every time I talk to people it's like oh that's so cool like someone in you know there's lots of negative aspects of that of the food and bev industry and I kind of want to shut some people up in a way and be like it's not all doom and gloom long days and long nights partying there's so much room for progression and to be a healthy strong community as an industry and so I think my my why shifted to more like getting other people on board like mm. you know inspiring people and we spoke a lot about this especially with working with Greenheart and how inspirational like meeting Jesse and Amanda and, and how inspirational they are and the the work that they're doing in in the Charleston community, like honestly, I still pinch myself every time I think about it. It's something that I wish I'd grown up with. So to see that and how inspiring they are, to be able to like carry their flag as well as our flag, and and inspire more and more people to 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 get up and you know do something hard. If something hard for you is running a mile, like kind of being like four years ago when I landed here. I'd never run further than a mile. Mm-hmm. If I can, this morning you were doing eight four yeah. by eight, eight by four hundred meter sprints. Yeah, if I can do it, really anyone anyone can can start. Yeah, and that's like become such a driving force to me. I think two things. One, I, every time we do a podcast, Charlie answering the questions first gives me like, oh, I get to listen and then think about my answer. So we're always going to do that. Wait, how many podcasts Thanks, Charlie. Done? This is the first one. No. I, no, really? is it? We've done one. I've done another podcast. Oh, he's done a podcast. I normally do it with oh. my wife uh, okay. about the, the, okay. com- the company. So, um, so that's a technique I'm going to take. Um, <laughs> but the other thing I think Charlie mentioned and, and a real testament to, to him as a partner, you know, you've got you know, inspiring others has been a big part of what you you've wanted to do. Uh, the green heart piece is so intertwined with everything. The diet component and being plant based is is inspiring me and so many other people and showing like sort of uh, you know a living, breathing sort of proof of of what can be done. Um, but you've also made on part of your why I've noticed, and this is extremely motivating. Is Charlie has a a, a deeply competitive streak in him, which is really. Which I think he, he's, um, which I think it's that's in you as well. I mean, this is this is something that as an observer I've seen, and it's been so cool to watch as you sort of explore that, in, especially in the training and some of the the, the progress that you've made. I and mean, you're setting these wild goals, and I watch you sort of smash them. Um, so I feel really great about Charlie as a partner because I've as I've got to know him better, much better over the last year and a half. All the, he's rooted in so many great things and he's also got this deep, deep fire that I think is uh, we're going we're gonna to tap into um, as a team and I'm really excited to, 
I'm lucky to be on on his team. Um, Wise on my side. I mean, I, I'm sort of following Charlie. I'm Charlie's this industry that that we're in. That, that Charlie is in the front lines of as a as a head chef is just showing what what can be done and making that an environment that's just there's a healthier place. The green heart piece because I think food changes people's lives and I don't I think we don't talk about it to young people enough um and then the other thing is just you know it's probably a little selfish but personal growth um I, you know i've always found in these sort of challenges and going to these sort of places um you you experience something extraordinary when you come out the other side they're fairly miserable while you're doing it um if we're all honest um but there's some there's just enormous opportunity to, for, for growth which leads to all sorts of other things in in your lives um and you know something like this row i've always found these big challenges change the direction of your life mm-hmm. in a really good way and i find that to be the unknown so exciting but the direction to be to be really cool so again i'm going to go back to charlie and his sort of choices that he's making for us as a team around food with green heart it's suddenly you start thinking in a different light how do i want to shape the business that we're in what if we were to do something else in the food world what would that look like and they're all being sort of shaped by this this row and so for me it's 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 the why is is is, there's many sort of spokes to it i guess but you know again bottom line is i i have this thing that i have to satisfy that burns pretty deep i feel very comfortable in the hard bit so like I long for that. I long for the, like the last bit of a race. I long for the last like I feel best in the last like twenty miles of a long bike ride. I just love that like pain pleasure piece in sport and endurance sport. I have yet to do it for forty days. I don't know how much I'm gonna love it, but <laughs> but yeah, I really feel I really feel comfortable in that place and I enjoy it. Yeah, it seems like there's a fire within both of you, and yeah. the common theme is you both are choosing the hard thing, like choosing the challenge mm. and showing other people that they can choose the challenge too. And almost like while we've talked, I just keep thinking like, how cool is it that, you know, a few years ago, like you barely ran a mile and now the things that you're doing, like it just goes to show the the strength and the resiliency of the human body. Yeah. Amazing. And like, how amazing is it that you, like we're having the discussion of, Am I going to eat this or am I going to eat that? And it's like, well, you're, you're doing this huge, long race. Like, how cool is it just to say, like, you're able to do this thing? Like, you're physically and mentally mm. able um, to conquer this thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's cool. I mean, you, you get to set the path for other people and also show them, um, like you said, in Food and Bev, that's such a great point. Like, so many people are like, well, you know, Food and Bev, Food and Bev, and you're showing people there, there can be another yeah. way. Yeah, and that's Charlie. I mean, I, I really ask you, mate. It, honestly since moving here and the, the the industry is very similar in the UK and here but there are some big differences and I remember moving here and people just being like oh that's just the food and bev lifestyle I have to live it because I work in restaurants I was like that's not necessarily true and we can change that like I want to be like behind the change I want I want people to think it's also a reason we've got no one wants to work in a kitchen no one wants to learn to cook like working in a restaurant is not as desirable as it, as it used to be like you look back at the like the mid nineties in the UK and there was this like fire. Everyone wanted to like 
if you were young and you didn't know where you were going, you'd go and work in a kitchen. And it was like this inspiring, like certain people would inspire you. And there was this really driving, like driving force behind it. But it was also this very old school mentality and it wasn't being pulled up to date with like the, the growth of society. So it's like long days, hard hours, and not that attractive. And I remember first talking to, to Ben, who came up in those kitchens, and like, well, I talked to Ben's brother more so, and it was like, yeah, I remember going to see Ben when he was working at like a prestigious restaurant, and he was on his two days off. They went to watch a movie, and Ben was just asleep in the cinema, working like. My apprenticeship long days. was was seven in the morning till twelve one at night, five to ten days on. Nine thousand pounds a year for three years, and that was like, and and not allowed to talk in the time unless you're spoken to during the hours of work in a kitchen. I mean, that's like that's what that mentality of it's like being in the military, of the sort of big kitchens of 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 England and Europe, and so yeah, that whole thing is flipped. Mm -hmm. I mean, I worked for Gordon Ramsay. I mean, the guy just made his living off screaming at people. (laughs) I used to be one of the people without the camera. You've been screamed at. Oh, yeah. See, look, you're like, wow, my God, lucky you. You should have started with that. You can touch me. Uh, (laughs) Right? No, I know. Yeah. No. So that's that's part of my background. It was lifetime achievement. (laughs) But I think that's like the the case in point is like that puts so many people off working Mm -hmm. kitchens, and also people like Gordon Ramsay, where very televised, like. It's definitely hyped up for TV, mm-hmm. but just having that as like a insight into oh, that's what a fine dining kitchen looks like. Why would you ever sign, sign up, up for that? that right, like, yeah. do you want to have a pan thrown at your head? No, I know at the time like, I did. And, and I worked with some chefs like when I was coming up in my career, and I don't know why this happened, but my first head chef treated people like that. He threw pans over the kitchen. He would like, he was a horror like like an animal when it came to service because he had to have his food right mm. and he never ever did that to me like he never pushed me in a corner he never like kind of picked on me I think it was because I was a little bit older than the kids that were there and it was like okay so it can be different because I learned a lot from him yeah. just wasn't in that manner and maybe he was just like saw that, that was going to teach me better but it's like I don't think anyone learns from being bullied like yeah. that's like so old school that you can just drop your knife and walk out the back door and you'll never go back to a kitchen like yeah, why it has to change you have yeah. to like inspire people to want to come to work like stop uh, stop like living just to work and start working so you can live and I think like from the stuff we're doing at Basic Kitchen like from what I've heard of people working in other restaurants in the town we're doing something very different mm-hmm. and we're really like that's my driving force behind a lot of the work I'm doing and that just goes hand in hand with this challenge like yes I'm a hard worker yes I like learn how to cook and I'm okay at it I can I can carry on and I can like it's not just this one track field like Mm. Like I have a life around this yeah Yeah, it's not just about this this product it's also about the people behind the product and the community and the culture Mm -hmm. like you said otherwise nowadays like okay I'll just go work at this other place Mm -hmm. it's just that's not how you lead and it's also the lifestyle like that all like so many of these people could be inspired by you to improve their health because they can just be shown like oh mm-hmm. well he did it and he's in this industry so mm-hmm. I can do it too. And it's hard. I'm not like I, Charlie's a really stand-up example, and it's I'm not sitting here saying this. You know, you get off late at night. There's there's challenges to you know you're in 
you're in this this high energy place and you're coming off a, you know it's, it's like sport you know in the in the kitchen it's like it's you just go 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 and you clean down at the end of the night bam, 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 you're completely wired and like you get out and it's like 11 30 and it's like you you got to really be disciplined to start mm-hmm. finding that and you've got to have a why Mm. to why to make some good choices and why to like you know I've got to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to do that workout ethos and um, my mate Charlie's bringing me on board to help with that you, you've got to like start replacing things because otherwise it, it's really it's a, it's, a, it's a challenging place to be it becomes um, a vicious cycle yeah so, in the oh, yeah. Kind of things. so I actually think that health and um, wellness and gym culture and um, I, I think there's a lot we're just scratching the surface of how you can change that. I think mm-hmm. Joey and I have spoken a, a bit about how do we, how do we bring in uh, the hospitality and F and B community into into sort of ethos, and it's really around different different hours, um, offering different programs, and um, I think you're going to see a bit of that this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something of an underserved community when yeah. it comes to health and wellness. Yeah, and I also think the last year and a half that we've had, almost two years now of, of like coming through the pandemic, like the workforce in food and beverage has dropped drastically mm. because people oh, were yeah. like, I don't want to go back to that. And fair play, like 100. percent Never get locked into an industry where you you don't want to continue in it. Yeah. But I think that's also had a big strain on on mental health, on physical health, and. I remember our, one of our second meetings with, with Brian at Synchronicity where we were talking about like recovery is a whole package. It's not just taking time to stretch. It's not just like sitting down and like focusing and med- meditating. It goes into your diet. It goes into your sleep cycles. It's, it's an all-encompassing package. And like I know I felt the benefits of doing that because I've had a why. Like, you know, I wanted to get up and ride 10 miles before I went to work because then I knew that I would be awake and alert. And then training and, and early mornings doing that and getting on the water was a big why to me. And I found in myself, my obviously my physical health has, has improved, but my mental health is, like, I'm, I feel the best about myself that I ever have. Like, it's a long battle f- for me. I'm sorry, my phone's going crazy. Uh, a long battle for me, um, especially in, like, the old school food and bed industry, mm-hmm was you finish work, you go and drink, you don't really like yourself. There was like substance abuse, late nights, and mental health crisis. Like I didn't like what I was doing, but I saw no way of changing it because I was in the moment. And then coming over here and taking a backseat and you know landing at a restaurant that wasn't doing well, giving getting given the company car, and I think I could say... Peggy, the bike that Ben rode across America on, saved my life because I was cycling everywhere. At first it was difficult, but also Charleston is the best city to ride in because it's so flat. It's not like, oh my God, I can't get up that hill. Like moving from Cornwall where it seems like everywhere you go is uphill, even when you go the other way. It's still uphill. Yeah, so, so Peggy, the bike, is the company car. Yeah. Is the company okay, car, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And, and just like being active, I already felt a difference. Mm-hmm. I think my mentality towards why I came here shifted as well. I was like, okay, I've come here to help Basic Kitchen out, and that's my main priority. Mm-hmm. And it's actually just like, no, I've come here for me. Like, change like, your life. I, I've landed in the perfect place at the perfect time. And, you know, now we're four years later, and I'm doing everything I ever wanted. Honestly, everything I ever wanted is, like, landing on my plate. And it's it's 
like I'm asking for it I'm not I'm not like oh it's just luck and it's coincidence for a long time I thought oh it's just I'm just lucky like it's just landing it's like no I'm, I'm making the right changes at the right times to to be here and that part of it I think is something that I try and impart with the guys that I work with at work who you know you get seasoned line cooks who come in and they've worked in other restaurants for years and the other restaurants are like oh you have shift beers and oh we're all going to the bar afterwards mm-hmm. and someone's got a cheeky bit of something and we're all going to stay up and party mm-hmm. and then it's 6am when you're going into work the next day and you're pounding coffee to feel human again you're giving a real expose on the world of life no no I'm saying <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the, it's, <laughs> it's the truth anyone that denies that about no, kitchens has yeah, never no. worked in a kitchen and but it doesn't have to be like that and that's what I mm-hmm. think is the most important thing and that's what I try and impart with, with the other guys like mm-hmm. the mental side the mental health side of it is like the the biggest thing that I've yeah. taken away I've lost friends in the industry through through living those lifestyles and it's like mm-hmm. I like to see that like you don't want that to happen to anyone else you never want to experience that twice and so that's like the, the driving force behind mm-hmm. me I guess and, and why we're while we're here, yeah, mm-hmm. while we're here. I, I think, went off on a massive tangent. No, I love it. Really well, because I think it really got down to your why, and not just mm-hmm. like why are you doing this huge challenge across the Atlantic, but like why you live every day the way that you mm-hmm. live it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be really cool. Give him an inch. <laughs> it'll be really cool to look and, and four years from now to look back, like you said, Ben, like at all the doors that this yeah. has opened for you, and, mm-hmm. and how this has changed and shaped your life in ways that we don't even know yet. I mean, guys, we're on a boat for 45 days. Ben's going to have to hear this speech every single day. You guys... Yeah. You're going to perfect it at right. the end. You're really yeah. going to step like, on the dock and be like, like oh, I'm a list. probably come up with some really good like, ideas yeah. on this yeah. boat. You, I mean, you have to document it. So Charlie, I just... Charlie, when I... My brother and I had his thing. Like, sometimes when Charlie's saying stuff, I'm like, I'm going to Google that. All right, I'm just going to check on that fact. And Zan said, my my brother's called Alexander, he'd be like, make sure you Google some of Charlie's stuff. And I was like, all right. But I don't know we're going to have Google on the boat. Oh, no. So he's going to be spinning these. He's telling me this story. I'm like, I don't think that's, I'm just not sure if that's true. He's like, trust me, it is. And I'm going to write down a little list of stuff that I want to Google when I get back. I'm going to be like, Right, some of Charlie's facts. <laughs> I'm a sucker for absorbing information incorrectly. That's the best way. I, I would much rather... Well, Ubers get started Charlie. I, I would yeah, much I rather know. have a Google chat it. with a guy down the pub. And this is, again, maybe a, a, an old lifestyle, but I'd have a chat with a guy down the pub. He's like, oh, you never believe it. I went to Australia and I saw this thing. I was like, cool, that sticks yeah, out. Yeah. I lived in Australia for a little bit and I was travelling up and down. Like, Absorbing all this information, never fact checking because I'm like, oh, it's boring. Like, why, why check? Yeah. I, I definitely need to check myself. It's no, no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to them. This is spreading a lot of rumors. But also, I do secretly. Am like, I going to bring an encyclopedia? I'm going to bring encyclopedia. Making stuff up as well, and seeing, <laughs> like how many, <laughs> seeing how many people do believe it. Oh, jeez. Because it's you know, I when I was doing theatre, I dabbled in sketch comedy, and I think the best way to be funny is to just be real, like something that is unbelievable but real and then you have something that is made up but is like so believable like the minor things you know what I mean 
No. That's why just be a you thing. Yeah, it's probably him. No, don't let him. Don't let him go down this. No one let him go down this thing. I've done a couple sketch comedy. This might be a separate podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm really sorry. I get excited. How can people sponsor, donate, promote the cause? Katie. You can go to our website, dreamboats.us. Follow us on Instagram at dreamboats. Uh, yeah, just you can also participate alongside the Dreamboats who are training mm-hmm. through the Ethos Million Meter Challenge. It's not too late to start. Uh, a million meters over the course of a year, which is about 15, 20 minutes a day on the ERG. And hopefully by the time that you're through that, give or take 30 days off, you will have rode a million meters. Katie, you signed up for the million meter challenge. You know what? I'm more of like a half meter. I'll do the other half. She yeah, says perfect. that. We're going to get Katie signed up. <laughs> so all those channels plus um, plus we're going to do be doing a bunch of events around the city uh, over the coming months. Yes. So you'll see us out and about with the boat. If you want to see is, the boat, which is going to oh, live yeah. at Safe Harbor, uh, Safe Harbor uh, City Marina in Charleston. So that's um, yeah, you're you're invited to come and and see the boat in real life. <laughs> cool. yeah. And then if you're sitting listening to this podcast and um, sitting in a corner office with your company um, and thinking, you know what, we'd love to get involved in a sort of corporate sponsorship. Uh, Katie and I would lo- and Charlie would love to meet with you yes. Um, yes. because there's so much um, uh, global exposure. I think this is going to be awesome for the city of Charleston. Um, lots of great uh, press outlets are going to be following us so um, tons of opportunity and we're looking to raise um, 300,000 for, for Greenheart and for uh, 2041 so um, we're looking forward to you guys following along awesome a lot of good stuff I have a couple last questions mm-hmm. for y'all quick fire what are you most nervous about most nervous about uh-huh. one thing Getting to the start line prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like the whole thing. No, I, I, I think, I mean, because that, oh, that, you're right, you're right. Start again. Let's go again. Quick fire. The Quick fire. You're no. most, most nervous, nervous about. Most worried about. Falling apart three days in, probably. Mm. Um, Not being able to get. Beyond that. Beyond that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm nervous. I'm probably most nervous about big seas at night, mm. middle of the Atlantic, mm, sleep yeah. deprived. Marlin. Changed Marlon. Most nervous about Marlon. Yeah. So, oh man, Marlon. Quick fire. Quick fire. <laughs> <I know. laughs> right. There was a, a Marlon a Marlon strike on a boat this year in the race. There were two or three last year. Two, two last two this year. time, and then one last year, or the last time. The- Basically, the boat is small. The cabin is small. When you're sleeping. The last thing you want is a marlin bill coming straight up through the bottom of your boat and the into last you. Thing. Yeah. Oh no! And it's happened more than once. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. And we're going to have Kevlar lined. Okay. Uh, we're going to ke- do some Kevlar lining of our boat because it's, it's a requirement now. Well, it's a suggestion from from the race Heavily organizers. suggested. Heavily <laughs> suggested. Yeah. What are you most excited about? The simplicity of of, of once we're in a routine. Um, and just that quietness and stillness, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that is part of this challenge. Yeah, yeah. life at sea. Same for you. Honestly, actually, I'm most excited about the start line. <laughs> you love I'm, the start. I really, love the, the end and the middle. I'm really yeah. excited about the start line. Just yeah. like having seen previous years, 
Yeah, I feel probably most nervous about that. So that's good. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. nervousness makes me excited though. Oh, secret. What day do you depart? The twelfth of December. Twelfth of December. Okay, and when does when is the race over? When we get to Antigua. Yeah, okay. when we get to Okay. Yeah. I think the longest it's taken a Talisker person was a hundred. I'm putting this off the top of my Google. head. This, this is, is Google. completely made up. Google. Yeah, Google this. I think it was either ninety-five or one hundred and five days. You want to okay. Google that? All right, gotcha. Yeah. So are you going on a vacation when you get to Antigua? I'm going to say, I always joke that the reason, the reason I'm doing it, I've always wanted to go to Antigua, yeah. so I figured <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, um, a husband and wife team that have, have just finished today, actually they're finishing today, and they're called Emergency Duo, they're two doctors, um, and so it was a great thing on Instagram, and it said, you know, not exactly the Caribbean cruise he promised (laughs) they've been at sea for like 60 days um so um yeah i think we're going to take we're going to take some time off and um maybe apart from each other uh, yeah some some time off with 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 friends and family if not already now forever bonded we will Deep will. dark secrets. You'll have a lot of blackmail, a lot of beef jerky sales. You know. There'll be a lot of that. But you can't tell anyone if that happened. But you can't tell anyone about that. No, of course. Oh no, yeah, I don't I report. I want to know how much money he's. Uh, I would. Say. I wouldn't tell anyone. And and you, you know what stays on our boat. What happens on our boat stays on our boat. Beef jerky. It's only day four. Yeah, or well, he's going to be trying to. If, if my beef jerky like goes overboard or I eat too much of it too quickly, he'll be selling me that which we've been trying this like mushroom jerky. I don't think the mushroom jerky is making it on the boat. Oh, oh thank no. God! I, I, it, it, it is, is for the terrible. Tough conversation. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, moving on. We're gonna have this behind okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Wrapping up. No mushroom jerky. Great. Maybe. Ben, Charlie, Katie, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank, been thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to get the word out. Um, this is great. This is something I never could have imagined that happened. Um, or that people did or that chose to do and so y'all are really inspiring it was great to meet you and talk about your journey and your training thank you very grateful really grateful for being here thank you so much for joining us everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode head on over to Instagram find us at Healthy Charleston Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.